it's the next level. Panels to Pixels, Spider-Man TV Pilot Movie, 1977, Review. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show, I'm Mark. This week we'll be discussing something that is a little bit old from Marvel TV, 1977's Spider-Man. The movie was a pilot for the CBS television to go with the Power Hour style that they had already created with the Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman shows. Basically created at a time when the network television was in a revelation of creating superhero shows for kids on a primetime TV level. The show was created by E.W. Swackhammer and... It literally was very different from what we see today when it comes to Marvel live-action movies or even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or anything. There's a big difference between story. There's a big difference between the actual effects that are going on and the actual character itself and where they're at and how they're going. As we know, the shows that we see now or the movies are built up over time and we get a little bit more out of them but with this this was throwing it right out there and it was created by you know cbs executives and writers just to cater to the kids for prime time tv watching which actually is really good because it captivated me as a kid at age five because i was five years old when it came out i loved it i have the remembrance of everything and i've watched this i've had this on dvd for years it was you could actually get these at uh conventions sci-fi horror conventions nostalgia conventions all those and it doesn't live today a little bit of a note they have never released this to the public on any format whether it be dvd or blu-ray all these tapes and everything have been done through conventions are from people who have recorded it from the tv and then have saved it and then transferred it i originally had like I think the first five episodes on VHS and they over time with the course of change, you know, the cost of like one VHS back then was ridiculous. So it's all, it's 50 bucks for like five episodes. If you want the whole series, which ran from 1977 to 1979, oh my God, that was a ridiculous amount of money for a VHS, a bunch of VHS tapes. So now they've changed it where you could go to a convention and somebody has brought all these, you know, episodes including the pilot movie and the subsequent uh other movies they had two other movies in between the regular tv shows so they actually did like an hour and a half long movie and they put them to dvd so they just transferred everything as a collection so you could still find them out there if you're really interested in that having that hard copy they're out there it depends on the quality i always recommend somebody as you're at a convention and the guy's there with his own little booth and he has a tv and a dvd player take a look at 
with the quality that you're getting. But I bought mine on DVD. I have the collection. I think I paid like about 60 bucks. And this was many years later after I got the VHS. And then now you could actually look at some of this stuff on YouTube. So if you're daring or interested, you want to, if you're from my era or my around my age where that show came out, go out there, just look on YouTube just to get it out of your system to, for nostalgia. The show was very inventive for its time. And that's the whole thing. It's all about time because back then it was far different. Effects were different. And this was at the time when Star Wars came out. So Star Wars had all that money, but television did not. So with CBS, they didn't really want to throw a ton of money into things. And with that, you know, you get what you get. You know, this spawned literally from the electric company and seeing Spider-Man who was pretty much mute and he just showed up and it was awesome to see Spider-Man. So they saw that and they thought, cash cow. And with that, it was. It was like you'd have viewers like me who was sitting in front of a television every night begging their mom and dad, hey, I gotta watch this show. I gotta watch this show. And I did. I, I loved it. I was, I'm still a huge Spider-Man fan, but with everything we've gotten over the years, it has increased over so much more because we get what we want. And the reason why I'm doing this now is because with Homecoming coming out this July, oh my God, you know, we, we got the Peter Parker that we want and the style of Spider-Man that has been always in our head. So, basically, to show a little difference, the Peter Parker we get in the show is not the one that you see, you know, Tom Holland does. Literally, we have Nicholas Hammond, and a lot of people will remember Nicholas Hammond from The Sound of Music. And he was Frederick Von Trapp in the original Sound of Music with Julie Andrews. I remember that because I grew up at the time. That movie's shown from like, I think the 70s all the way up until maybe the 90s, early 90s at that. And it was always in my face. So I always watch it at holiday times, usually Thanksgiving or, or Christmas. So I always remembered his face. He, he still had that face. So when Spider-Man came on, he was a lot older because, you know, Sound of Music was done in the early 60s, I believe. And I knew the face, and it just made me happy. Not because, you know, I saw Frederick Von Trapp playing Spider-Man, but the fact that it was a familiar face. So I enjoyed seeing Nick Hammond. I thought he did a great job, just for what he was given. And he's doing a lot of conventions now. Actually, he did one last year, and I'm hoping to see him. Hopefully, he comes stateside, because he lives in Australia now. And he he still is active in film, and he still looks the way he does. He has a full head of hair. He's he's older, obviously, but he has the that face, and I think that's probably the one person out of all the Spider-Men that I want to meet. I want to talk to. I have a ton of questions. You guys could actually refer back to our Facebook post that I posted a while back, and that was amazing to watch myself, and I had to post it and share it. It was great to see him at a con. And it was his first con, and he was only there for like a few days, and he had a good time, and he, he's anticipating doing that again. I'm just hoping somebody picks him up, because I so want to meet Nicholas Hammond. I get a picture with him, get an autograph, and just to get to talk to him, because it, it's something that I grew up with, and I loved. So, with that, let me give you a little bit of information 
I already topped on the, the topic of Tom Holland being a great, you know, Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Well, when CBS was creating it and Nicholas Hammond was given this character, they wrote Peter as a different type of character completely. He's basically a grad student in college. He, he gets his powers in the pilot of the TV show, this big movie, from an accident in, co- in the college lab where they are dealing with radioactive materials and being bitten by a spider that was stuck in a container filled with radioactive material. So, similar to how Peter gets his powers, but, you know, it is what it is. And obviously, with anything, they rewrite everything that's out there. In the show, there is no Mary Jane. There is a love interest. I can't remember her name. It's not that whole thing, and they don't really get too much into it on the actual show itself. But it's interesting, so, you know, and he seems a little bit more suave, too. Not, not like Peter, where he's awkward all the time. And, you know, that, I think that was part of Nicholas Hammond's charm. The cool thing about this, too, to add on to other characters that we do have in the Spider-Man universe, we do get a J. Jonah Jameson. But he's not the typical J. Jonah we get in the comic or the one we get from J.K. Simmons, which is the one of my favorite J, you know, J. Jonah characters out of all cinematic, which was J.K. Simmons. I wish we got this guy being angry, loud, vocal. This guy was a little bit too caring, white-haired, didn't smoke a cigar, wasn't always like, you know, that's Spider-Man! We don't get that. And it was okay, but the fact that they had J. Jonah in there, at least he went to the Bugle, he sold his pictures for whatever, and his weekly pay was, you know, for providing pictures and doing everything was maybe $40, <laughs> which was really pathetic. But in the 70s, it was different based upon your pay. But we do, however, get to get one thing that they never brought up in the movies was Robbie, the editor. In the pilot, we get to see him, but we never see him after that. And the other person that we do get to see is Aunt May. But she only shows up during the the hour and a half pilot movie, which is pretty cool. I like the idea. So, but, you know, it, it's kind of weird and awkward because, you know, it, she's a lot older. She's kind of, but she's around there. But it, it's not the typical Aunt May that you would expect. She's not the same type of character. But now on to effects. The effects were all mostly practical. They used a stuntman on a wire for the most part in a suit and used a lot of blue screen. They, you could definitely tell when he's like crawling around the house when he starts discovering his powers and everything. You could tell that's way out. <laughs> it's blue screen. Like I said, this, this movie slash show is very much dated but we got to give them credit for the attempt for this because it was a time where we don't have effects the way we do have today so you know that would be magical if they did but i enjoyed it for what i got i was like five years old come on uh i chalked this up to budget you know it's a tv movie going into a tv show and it was cbs and at the time this was the first out of the next two because spider-man came out first and then came incredible hulk and wonder woman because cbs was trying to launch that whole thing and they had all three on at the same time at one point during the year but spider-man they canceled and because of 
I, I'm not sure if it was due to budget, but I think it had to do with how many viewers are watching it, and a lot of people are more interested in The Incredible Hulk and Wonder Woman. On to villains. So, the villain in this particular episode, or this movie, was pretty much somebody who was like a self-help guru who was trying to brainwash people. And what they were trying to do at that time was keep the villains to be someone in the regular world. With that, this was based on the premise that Spider-Man would battle with villains that are common within the real world. Somebody that does realistic uh, evil deeds. They didn't want to go the route of having, like, a big costume because of more effects and everything. I think it narrowed down to budget, but they just wanted to have a villain of the week. And with a villain of the week, it could be mediocre or very simplistic. With this one, when they started it, it's like, oh, big corporate. Somebody's using their power of manipulation to get to people and take their money or do whatever he wanted. Almost like a kingpin. But uh, this was pretty cool in the sense that, you know, they could change it up week by week. But, it, you know, being a kid and you're reading the comics and you see the vulture, you see the lizard, you see Doc Ock, you want all these things, but you don't get them. It, it was a little bit upsetting, but the fact that you get to see Spider-Man every week, crawling on a wall, shooting a web, swinging... You don't get to see the swinging as you do as far as like in the movies, but he does swing. A lot of it had to do with licensing, I think, with the villains, plus the effects, like I said. It's it's all ha narrowed it down to that. Very similar to The Incredible Hulk, if you think about it, because with The Incredible Hulk, it was only like a villain of the week, and it was a very rare time when you had somebody with special powers. Like, they had the other Hulk at one point. They had Bigfoot and things of that nature and then later on by for nostalgia purposes what they did is cbs actually did movies and i always recommend things too so if you want go see watch the lou Ferrigno movies but you could see like almost like an early incarnation of something of like the avengers because you had the incredible hulk with thor and daredevil at one point come on so I recommend those. So if you want to guys you guys want to go down that path and do that, go ahead, but please don't blame me. I just love this because I grew up on it and I'm sure there's probably listeners out there that are younger than me that never watched any of that stuff or watched it and got really ticked off. And I don't blame you guys, but I do this because I love it and it's based on nostalgia. You know, it's like, and also my memory, and I love it. Uh, I loved all the incarnations, so. In my other notes, the show had a little bit of a nod to Captain America in it, so if you're going to actually watch this, I suggest you watch it, because you'll see Peter Parker in the lab with his lab assistant or lab helper or friend, and they're having a talk, and he's wearing a button-down shirt over a t-shirt. T-shirt is very dark blue, but you see a prominent star right there. That is a direct nod to Captain America, which they were in the process of thinking of putting together a Captain America TV show. And eventually they did put a Captain America TV show, which was amazing. I loved it. I loved that, that TV show. It was awesome. 
and then I grew up and was not too much into it. <laughs> but the thing was, is that I enjoyed the Captain America because just like Spider-Man, it was there. But this, you're talking by that time, it was the 80s. And they tried to do some cool retro things with the 80s and make it a little bit more modern. And the shield wasn't adamantium or vibranium or a mix. And he put the shield on top of the motorcycle in the front, which I thought was cool. And it came out of a van. But, you know, in, in this episode, in this movie pilot for Spider-Man 1977, they throw a little nod and you could tell the, the gears were grinding for them to want to do something like that. And eventually we did get a Captain America, which I enjoyed. Uh, my brother loves Captain America, so that was his thing. And then we've gotten a few others, and we'll go into that another time. We'll do that as another reflection of and look back at older Marvel stuff that was done with not so great budgets, but meant for TV. So, but they do stand out. There's there's a couple of them, and we'll get into that at another time. And I'll put a poll up. Like I said before, the show was never put on DVD or Blu-ray. It looked like nobody wanted to put this out. And I'm hoping that, you know, Disney Marvel does something with it because they still have a plethora of material. Not only just the live action that was on TV, but they also have all the cartoons and everything that's already on Disney Plus, too. If you watch, they actually, if on YouTube, they actually play a lot of the Marvel stuff that they've done. Ultimate Spider-Man's on there. You got Ultimate Avengers. You got all these different cartoons. So... Literally, with the app that's coming out, I'm hoping that they actually give you the opportunity to watch older series they've acquired, and that including the TV rights to some of these things, because are you going to go out there and pay like $60 for the series of The Incredible Hulk on DVD? Because it is out there. I saw it at work, and I was tempted. I had all of them, and I wound up selling them because I was collecting them as they were coming out. And I just said no. And I wound up selling them and I didn't get them. But you could find that stuff online. But my feeling with the idea and the advent of streaming, it would be great to have all that stuff at your fingertips when you can have it. Like I said, I'm just hoping, you know, they would release this as like a Blu-ray, as a nod and say, okay, we have more material. We could throw this out there. But I have a funny feeling they won't. I, I got the 66 Spider-Man DVD though. You could get that collection. I have it and I love it and I watch it. You could see some of those episodes on YouTube as well. So overall, in comparison to the new stuff that's out there, I would say that Spider-Man 1977 doesn't hold up in comparison to the new movies that are out there that we're getting between like Avengers, Spider-Man with uh, Tobey Maguire, or the Amazing Spider-Man series that we got. I really loved, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man version. I enjoyed and I loved the Tobey Maguire version as it came out. The third one, I I, I just watched through gritting teeth. Uh, I didn't like the idea of them bringing in Venom. That's just my opinion. I couldn't stand the idea. I can't. I, I didn't see Topher Grace as Venom at all. You, you needed somebody who was really Eddie Brock, and they had to be there for that. And plus how he got the Venom suit. That that wasn't there. And then, no, we got Tom Holland. And Tom Holland is... He's hitting it out. 
there. He hit a home run with it, just the way he's portraying it. The character of Peter Parker, the awkwardness, him being smart, him not being able to talk to girls, and then him struggling being a teenager and being Spider-Man at the same time. To me, I'm loving the idea from Far From Home coming out in July, and when Homecoming came out, I actually saw it at the drive-in. Then went to a theater, and then I went back to the drive-in again, because I love drive-ins. But I'm hoping to do the same. I'm probably going to hit the theater first, though, and then go to the drive-in. And I hope that, uh, you know, it's being April, and drive-ins are now coming back into season. And the one by me in Poughkeepsie, there's two of them. One that's about 20 minutes close, and then there's one that's about 45 minutes away. So I'll go to the 20-minute one, 20, 25-minute one, and go see that if they do that. But it would be awesome to see Endgame as well as Captain Marvel. So considering that Captain Marvel's still going to be in theaters when Endgame comes out, and I'm waiting for a double feature. And to see Captain Marvel and then go right into Endgame at a drive-in would be phenomenal. And... Wow. So there's a lot out there, guys. There's a lot of Spider-Man stuff. I recommend it. And basically, I'm doing this because I love Spider-Man. And I want you guys to actually, you know, go out there and watch this if you're slightly interested. I don't want to push anybody to watch it and be like, oh, that was garbage. Some people come back and tell me, yeah, it was. But the thing is, is if you grew up on it, go back, watch it, and just Put that little five-year-old in its place in your head while you're watching it and just enjoy it because you're seeing the costume as it was. Just like you did when the electric company beforehand had him on, but Spider-Man was mute. So with that, thanks everybody for listening. This was great to talk about. This is just something small I wanted to throw out there this week for you guys. I love Spider-Man. This is my number one character that I loved as a kid. The second to that would be the Incredible Hulk. After that would be Captain America. Now, if you want, please let us know and we will record something different. We'll record something that you guys like. Let us know. And with that, thanks everybody for listening. I'm Mark and this was Panels to Pixels. Good night, everybody.